Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number, 303-690-3000. Text me at 720-336-0897. And if you're out and about today, welcome outside. Uh, We're glad you're getting some air. I'm looking out the window here. It looks a little cloudy in Colorado, but I heard, well, it says it's 81 degrees. Uh, I actually haven't been out today yet. I don't expect to be out. Well, I guess I will be out uh, taking out the trash here eventually, but 81 degrees, welcome spring and welcome summer and goodbye winter. Every part of you winter can go away. Uh, we are ready for a snowless future. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. Uh, the text line is open. It's open 24-7 now. Uh, it is open for... Uh, your prayer requests and your questions during the show. Uh, prayer requests any other time. Uh, show questions uh, specifically from the hour of four to five Mountain Standard Time. Uh, we've got a prayer request. We're going to just kick off the show with uh, a young girl uh, named Leah who has undiagnosed mental issues, uh, concussion or conclusions. Have been ours Asperger's um, personality, borderline personality, bipolar. She's 15 and uh, has had a hard life. So her grandmother is asking for prayer. And I, I'm 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 always reminded in the in the Gospels that whenever someone brought their children to Jesus, he welcomed them. And so daughter, granddaughter, Jesus welcomes Leah to be prayed for. And I was thinking today, looking through some of the prayer requests uh, that have come through, that we are taking people, when we pray for them, we're going into the throne room of grace. And that's no small thing. We might think it, it is a small thing because we pray a lot, but it's not. The throne room is a glorious, grand amazing, bright uh, presence of God that would cause us to fall to our faces face down, that would cause us to cry out, I'm a man of unclean lips, uh, would cause us to worship and adoration and, and instantly stun us with the character and nature and the God in unapproachable light. I mean... When we pray for Leah, we go right into, we're invited to go into. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne room of grace, 
Let's join together. Would you with with me for little Leah, uh, 15, and has just had a very, very hard life. Uh, and mental illness is real. It's real, folks. I, I know many of you know that because you experience it with people in your life or personally. Um, it's a real battle. Just as we were broke, just as we were born with broken, sin-tainted bodies, we were also born with broken, sin-tainted minds and brains. It's real. So, Father, we pray for Leah and this critical age in her life, in and out of institutions, and probably poked and prodded and studied and put in groups, group homes, group studies, medicated. Every way the world tries to handle this such a difficulty. I think of the man that was in chains, locked away in the caves. It's just how the world deals with things. Lock him up and get him out of sight. But Leah is well beloved by her parents, by her grandmother, and by you, Lord. And we pray that you would encourage we pray that you would encourage Leah's grandma and that you would bring healing into Leah's mind and give her a peace. We know that peace is available from you and you can bypass, God, the physical. And I'm grateful for that. You can bypass the physical and, and deal with us directly spiritual. You can bypass some of the limitations of our bodies and our minds our inability to communicate, or our inability to understand, or our inability to control our emotions, whatever challenge we might be facing, you're able to get beyond that. We pray, God, that you would do that in Leah's life today, in Jesus' name. Amen. 303-690-3000. Let's go out to Baltimore, Maryland. Sandy's on the on the line. Sandy, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking my call for a prayer you're request. Welcome. Yes. Um, I called back uh, back in October and again later in December about my coworker's son who was uh, diagnosed with having heart cancer. He's 23. He went through different surgeries, and one of the surgeries ended up making him have a spinal stroke, so it paralyzed him. Mm-hmm. And his, his father, who I've known for years and worked with, and he just let me know today that his son Brad has decided to, to not take any kind of treatment anymore. So right now he's going to stop his chemo, and um, his father is just kind of just in a whirlwind with everything going on because he originally was diagnosed with a year and not receiving treatment now. You you know, I know God can heal him if that's what he intended, but just for his family, his mom and dad and his brother, just to, uh, I was saying, find uh peace and get and just be draw closer to God and through their salvation and their faith so that it just keeps growing and that and they have comfort in this in whatever direction it ends up going or or the length of time that he actually has okay sandy let's let's pray for him father we pray for this young young man and the challenges that he's faced with treatment and with the cancer and now the stroke and, and just it, it's just overwhelming 
uh, to hear it described. I, I can't even imagine what it is to live it out, God. I pray and, and request from you a special grace for this family as they deal with the devastating tragedy and travesty of cancer. And I pray, as Sandy mentioned, I agree with her, God, you are able to heal Brad. And I pray for Brad that to be healed. Uh, I pray for your ability to overrule even what is, um, you know, what's what's considered by man or even diagnoses that you can supersede the diagnoses uh, and some of the limitations that have brought on by chemo and just the condition of his body. So we pray for this family uh, and let them even acknowledge uh, at this this hour, uh, six o'clock in Baltimore, that uh, around 6.09, they, they felt a sense of spiritual covering and they felt a sense of your presence reminding them that you are with them and you've promised to never leave or forsake them. And thank you, God, for putting people like Sandy into their lives, into our lives as good friends, people that will walk the long road with us, uh, walk the long road with this family uh, to stay close and available and be um, always mindful in the spiritual realm. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate okay, Sam, it. Have a good you. night. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number, and you have open lines. I would encourage you to take advantage of them if you'd like. 303-690-3000. Uh, there's a lot of questions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of prayer flowing through our homes, even as the safe at home or quarantine or the stay-at-home orders are starting to be lifted, a uh, little bit of a little bit of drama uh, in different places, a little bit of overreaction in different places, uh, and, you know, up and down, open and closed, uh, quite the challenge. I'm praying for all you churches, especially on the East Coast, uh, that get to open up for services this weekend, churches. Um, bless you guys. Uh, it's a privilege to gather together, so I'm glad you get that privilege. I know other states, um, not just on the East Coast, but up, on, you know, like Montana, didn't have any restrictions. I think there are some changes going on in Idaho that they can meet a little bit sooner. But then over in California, you've got the beaches open, and now there's a drastic uh, closure of beaches. And churches are mentioned, but they're mentioned last. And uh, I pray for wisdom and acceleration of all these decisions because... Uh, the church wants to meet, and it, it is part. It, it is a major part of the life of any church family is to fellowship together. Remember, in Acts chapter two, verse forty-two, you have uh, the church continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the breaking of bread, in prayer, and in fellowship. Fellowship is that is is that Greek word koinonia. It means literally to share in common. And the, the essence of fellowship is that there are people together. Uh, and, and fellowship isn't two believers coming together talking about football. Fellowship isn't two believers talking about selling essential oils. Uh, true koinonia fellowship are believers coming together in the Lord talking about things of the Lord uh, in 
enjoying things to the Lord, uh, and fellowship is rooted in the Spirit. Uh, and that's that's an important part of of what fellowship looks like. So getting together is very important, and we look forward to it soon. 303-690-3000. All right, let's move up to Fort Collins now. Tyler's on the line. Tyler, welcome to the program. Thank you. How's it going? It's going great. What's going on? Um, so uh, my fiance, she's been struggling with a, a meth addiction for quite a while. Um, okay. About uh, ten years ago, it kind of started. Um, we, I've, I've known her for about seven years. Um, we've been engaged for about six of that. Um, and through uh, this time, she hasn't done it um, at all. About a year ago. She kind of stumbled back into it through some uh, friends she knew, and um, a couple, actually, I guess two years ago, um, she started doing it. And for the last year, she's been clean, hasn't done it at all, but been very open with me about everything. Okay. Um, and just uh, this morning, we were talking, and she she was telling me that she can't stop thinking about it, even though she doesn't want to do it, and she's very aware of like the damage it's had on her life and all sure. the people around her. It's just you know, she has some back pain, and she said that whenever her back starts to hurt, it just, she starts thinking about it, and as much as she wants to not think about it, those thoughts are still there, and, you know, we prayed about it together even this morning, and so I heard you guys talking, and I was like, you know, I might as well reach out and, you know, get some more people praying for her. <laughs> well, let's do that. That would be awesome. Father, I pray you would um, break the chains of addiction in this woman. Um, I know that you're able to do it. I know that I, I know not only you not only can you, but you will, and I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would break the thinking patterns of this woman, that you would break the feelings that she has, the draw of her body and her mind, and how intertwined they are when it comes to drug addiction. And I also pray for the decisions that she makes. I, I think of what your Word says, God, in. Uh, Jesus, you taught us, you said, if we present ourselves to sin, then we become sin's slave. And if we present ourselves to righteousness, then we become righteousness slaves. So I pray that into her life, God, that that there would be a, a dedication of, of her mind and her ability to uh, make wise decisions. And also that she wouldn't minimize them uh, like just thinking that it's no big deal that she's been sober for a minute or sober for five minutes or she's resisted that thought even though she gets the same thought a hundred times in a day or a hundred times in an hour uh, as you're training her and teaching her to live soberly and righteously in this present age that she would celebrate God, uh, celebrate the, the, the absolute excitement uh, that comes with your uh, victory that comes moment by moment. And so I just pray that into her life, God, that she would enjoy the victory moment by moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. And I, I, wanna, I want that emphasized with her. I think she feels a little hopeless, you know, the way you're describing it. Um, I believe you and I believe her when she says she, you know, doesn't want it. She recognizes how, how much damage it's done, for sure. Um, but you get wrapped up in it all. And then you just feel hopeless, and you're like, well, whatever. If I'm never going to get over it, then I want to enjoy it now. And 
you know as well as I do, the now uh, ends up leading to, it ends up being really bad. Now becomes for a long, now is a long, long time. And, uh, but, but the victory day by day is super powerful. And uh, I know that, I know that she can be encouraged with that. I really appreciate that. And I will definitely continue to encourage her with that victory as best as I can. <laughs> I thank you for the prayer. Thank you very much. All right, bro. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 303 um, Man, just so um, the, the, the amount uh, and the weight of addiction is real. And you guys battling addiction right now, may the Lord keep you, uh, may the Lord strengthen you, and then may the Lord deliver you. Um, for me personally, I have been sober for 29 years by the grace of God, and I'm grateful for his sobriety and his strength. Uh, it's certainly not something that I could do on my own, uh, certainly not something I could deliver myself from. Uh, it it was it was a it was a hopeless situation in my life, uh, very much so. And now here we are, 29 years later, just so encouraged to know uh, that the Lord is in control. Good stuff. All right, let's move over to Arizona. Uh, Felix is listening in in Surprise, Arizona. Felix, welcome to the pro- program. Hey, Pastor. Good afternoon to you, sir. I uh, was just calling Hi. just uh, uh, just. To- seek out some prayer for a brother and sister in Christ that recently moved uh, within the last month up to Thornton, uh, Colorado. Okay, and, yes. And just praying that they find a, a good Bible, believe in preaching and reading church. And uh, they, they've been, ever since I got saved uh, 12 years ago, he, he's been like a, a disciple maker for me. And uh, That's good. He's a Blue Line family as well. I'm, I'm retired LEO, and uh, I was at the World Trade Center. He lost a son in the line of duty down in Phoenix uh, back in 2016. And uh, they just moved up to Colorado to be closer to their daughter. And uh, really just, man, he's there, he, we always chit-chat all the time online and just uh, just wanted to get some prayer and see some brothers and sisters up there will come around them. And they're really outgoing people, so I'm sure they won't have any problem with making brothers and sisters friends up there in Bible studies, but uh, just that they, they're able to tap into a good church up there. Okay, let's do that. Lord, we pray let's for Dave it. and Judy as they move here to Colorado and— I know uh, I have quite a few friends up in Thornton, great pastors and churches up there that uh, you would help Dave and Judy find that right church, the one that is precisely exactly what uh, what's being looked for, you know, what's needed in their life, not only what's needed for them, but God, where you want to arrange and place Dave and Judy for the purposes of your kingdom, what church do you want them in? What body of believers are they needed in with their gifts and their talents and their personalities? And we often look at we often look at churches, God, what do we want and what are we looking for? And I'm grateful that you've given us that. But more importantly, what are you looking for, God? And where do you want us to plant us and make sure that we're in the place where we'll bear the most, most fruit? And I thank you, God, that Felix has a great respect for them. And I pray for Felix to do the same thing with someone else that Dave and Judy did for him, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, bro. Hey, have them contact me. We've got, or you can go on our website uh, at calvaryco.church. We have some recommended churches up in the Thornton area that are really good, Westminster, Thornton, uh, Broomfield, up in that area. Definitely. 
All right, man. God bless you. Love you, bro. Take care. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Here's a a text coming in. I wonder why Calvary churches aren't opening their doors as long as they're ushering in people to sit accordingly. If churches can have people under a certain limit, can't Calvary do the same? Just wondering the logic and thinking behind that. Uh, That's a great question. Uh, Right now in Colorado, the, the number of people is 10. And so for a church like ours, we would have to have 350 services of 10 people each uh, or so. And, and here's, here's the logic, uh, and I, I'm glad that you're asking the question the way you do. The logic is, is that whatever opinions there may be when it comes to this particular virus, we know the damage that it's doing, and we know that uh, temporarily cooperating with the local government is a positive thing not a negative thing. Uh, and we haven't, church hasn't been canceled. And we haven't, what, what has been limited is our gathering together in one place. Um, but the, 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 the reality of why we're doing it, the logic behind it, is that um, going online, serving our city for the foreseeable future, is a decision for the welfare of our city and we are cooperating with the safety standards of our of our city and really of our state and we are working hard behind the scenes we were even talking about it yesterday about making everything safe when the numbers do increase making everything safe for all of the different layers from the walking in walking out to sitting in the sanctuary to what where the children are where what the bathroom situations might be, uh, and the 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 need for us to cooperate uh, to keep things in a place of honoring our governing authorities, and of course that honoring of governing authorities does have a limit. And as a leadership, we haven't sensed that we've come to that limit yet. Uh, if we did, if the limit ever extended to the point where we obey God or man, we'll obey God. Um, but we'll also do it in such a way that we'll honor uh, the the folks that are... We have quite a few elderly in our church, so of course the way the limitations of churches are today is the anyone that's in a high-risk category are encouraged to stay home. Um, and so right away, the many in our church are going to stay home. Uh, but the logic is right now Colorado has a limit of 10. Um, that's the limit. And we are going to... Uh, continue online. We have, we have, we reach many, many, many people online. I know it's not ideal, uh, but we're often brought into situations where it's not ideal, and I, I don't like it personally, as much as the next person. But I don't run this church on my personal opinion. I don't oversee this church on my personal opinion, but collectively with leadership, we make these decisions that would honor the Lord, honor our community, and. That's, those are the two guiding principles. Um, so I can't speak for other Calvary churches, Calvary chapels, although I know a lot of them, and uh, sometimes even Calvary churches or Calvary chapels disagree on, on these types of things, and that's perfectly okay. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. The beauty of the body of Christ is there's unity and diversity, and we don't have to agree on everything, uh, and we don't have to agree on everything the same way or the same thing. Uh, there's beauty and diversity, and may the Lord continue to do that. But that's the reasoning for our church, 
And we're all getting a little impatient. So uh, the impatience and how careful we need to be, because as we start to get impatient, then there's a temptation that impatience will drive our decisions. And we can't allow the flesh to drive our decisions. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. All right, let's go down. Uh, Carl's calling uh, from somewhere in Colorado. Carl, welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing, Pastor Ed? Good, how are you? Oh, I can't complain. Um, I just had a question. Um, I've been married, unfortunately, worst marriage ever in my life. Um, first time married. Won't be the last, though, I can say. Um, and my wife has become so contentious and pugnacious, I have no idea what to do. She won't talk to me. She won't um, communicate with me whatsoever. She won't let me see my little daughter. Um, and she will not respond to me in text, calls, in no way, shape, or form. Now, this is a woman that gets up every morning at 5 o'clock, and she prays to God. She claims that every step that she makes is of God. I highly doubt that ignoring your husband or neglecting your spouse is a step of God. Not that I'm questioning her character, because who am I? And I'm not without clean hands either in the whole situation. However, for her to have done the things that she's done to me and then continue to ignore me, and be pugnacious and contentious, what do I do? I mean, four, out of the four years we've been married, we've been together six months of those four years. I have not seen my wife since November of last year. Well, it's, a, it's definitely a challenging situation, Carl. It's, it's not easy to answer on the, on the radio because the Bible says that the first one to plead his case sounds right until his neighbor comes and reproves him. For me to give direction on the overarching question that you have, I can't because I haven't had a chance to talk to her. Uh, I would have to have a chance to talk to her, uh, let her answer for some of the things that you're feeling. I mean, the way you're describing it, it's pretty challenging. I can, I agree with that. Uh, the way that, that you're describing her behavior does not, does not sound like she is following the uh, admonition of the Lord for a wife and that would be challenging. And I'm certain you have your own issues, and that would be challenging. Uh, but sitting down, uh, are you a part of Calvary Aurora? Yes, I am. I even go to the food bank sometime. Um, and you guys are is very she, helpful whenever my family's been in need. And we've needed she, help um, because we've worked pretty much on my income. And So um, we're, we're, coming up on the, we're coming up on a break, Carl. Is she a part of our church? Yeah, I think so. I think she is. You think? Uh, because if she is, then then you have a you have authority, biblical spiritual authority for you guys to sit down together. Because if this, you know, you guys aren't even living together, um, our goal would be to get you guys together and rescue this marriage. Well, I don't I don't even know if, it, if it's even possible. I mean, I believe in God, Pastor Ed, and I believe that miracles can happen through God. I wouldn't be. The things I've been through in life, I tell people I've taken the devil's best shot, and by God's precious grace and mercy, I'm still standing. It's by Good. God's grace and mercy that I'm still in this marriage, because I could easily be gone, and I know sure what he says, could. but Glad my thing it. is, I want to do everything I can to try to savor this marriage, even though I just want to walk away right now, and I could throw I my hands that. up and be totally content. I want to do everything I can that's right, um, and then if, if all those fails, I mean, you can't will the unwilling, I mean... I have to move on in life, but I'm not going to be single for the rest of my life at 48 years old. That's insane. Sure. Well, if you're a part of our church and you're a regular, you're, you guys are a regular part of our church, call the office, get one of the pastors involved, and let's get you guys sitting down together. Okay. That, that's the first step. 
And I know all these other emotions and feelings and hurt and pain that you're experiencing, we you'll you know you'll bring with you, and and we won't know what she's going to bring with her. And and yet, before you make any big decisions, I'm I, I'm grateful you've hung on this long. You've made the right decision and the right choice not to divorce. Uh, that is a good choice. You've given God room to work, but without getting you guys in the same room to talk, it's it's impossible to help. So, call the office. Uh, pastors are there every week or every day of the week, and let's see if we can't work toward getting you guys sitting down. And and obviously, it might be a Zoom call or something right now, but getting you guys sitting down and see if we can't help you. All right, Carl, got to go. You hear the music. You're coming up on the break. Uh, the one and only break today. Hang in there. Give me a call. You got open lines, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. All right, we have the second half of our program today, Calvary Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 303-690-3000 is the number. Lines are wide open and taking your questions, your calls, your prayer requests. Uh, we've had quite a, a full show already, so I'm glad that you guys have joined us, that you pray with us when we pray. You can text me, direct questions at 720-336-0897, and you can call to be on the air at 303-690-3000. I want to remind you guys that to this weekend, starting Friday night, at 7 p.m., we have an online men's conference. It's being put on by Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs, but because it's on, because it's online and free, anywhere around the country, around the world, if you have the time right, uh, you can join us. It's a three-session men's conference. The topic is seeing clearly. Friday night. Pastor Eric Cartier will be kicking it off at 7 p.m. Then we'll wake up Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with Pastor Al Pittman. And then I'm going to be closing out the conference Saturday at 10.30. That's this weekend. And the, the, the neat thing is, or the interesting thing is, is that for the conference, you're going to tie into each individual church's live stream. For example, Wednesday, or, I got all these days. Let me slow down, Ed. Friday night, you're going to be connecting with Rocky Mountain Calvary's live stream. Saturday morning at 9, you're going to be connecting on Al Pittman uh, live stream at Calvary Worship Center, also in the Colorado Springs. And then the, the last session at 1030, you'll be connecting here at Calvary Church, calvaryco.live. Uh, uh, that's our live stream. You can do it in anywhere we live stream, Facebook, YouTube, any of that. Uh, however, uh, it's free. And we're going to be sharing on the significance of seeing clearly the way the Lord wants us to see. I'm looking at my message today. I think I'm going to be heading in the in the realm of uh, seeing clearly with discernment the uh, necessity of seeking the Lord, because not everything is as as it seems. And we remember in John, or excuse me, in Joshua nine, the Gibeonites came and they lied to Joshua, and Joshua fell for the lie. 
We don't want to fall for lies. We want to see clearly. And I think I'll be sharing with the significance of the spiritual gift of discernment, the manifestation of the discerning of spirits. That's a very important spiritual gift. I also know what Eric's teaching, and I also know what Al's teaching, but I'm not going to tell you. And I haven't developed my message yet. I just have a direction of where we're going. I couldn't put it together today, but I have direct. I have the idea of where I'm headed. I look forward to putting it together tomorrow. Um, Friday night, Eric Cartier kicks off. And by the way, I noticed today that Eric Cartier, you remember Eric was a regular host of Calvary Live for a long time. And he announced, uh, I knew a little bit earlier, I, 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 knew, I knew it a couple weeks ago, but he announced today on Instagram an appreciation and thanks because he was recently diagnosed with the uh, type 1 diabetes. And it's been a challenge for his family walking through this. But he posted on his personal Instagram, so it is public, that he appreciates everyone praying for him and his family and standing in the gap. And we have been walking alongside uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary almost since I moved here. Uh, back when the previous pastor, Brian Michaels, was there. And when Brian headed off to Las Vegas, uh, I became a part of the leadership team down at Rocky Mountain Calvary, and I have been ever since. And I've walked alongside uh, Pastor Eric and Amber and his growing family for many, many years. And I am very, I have a lot of respect for Eric, a lot of respect for the ministry down there. Um, I love what God is doing through the Calvaries in Colorado Springs. And I appreciate the many friendships that I've had. So pray for Eric. Don't forget him. Rocky Mountain Calvary. Um, he is doing well. And he's very strong and doing well. Um, but adjusting to a new way of life. And he posted it on his Instagram. So if you want to follow him on Instagram, you can follow along. And Twitter. He has some. He's also on Twitter. 303-690-3000. Hey, Pastor, did you recently do a message in Psalm 23 or 22? I recently did a message in Psalm 23. I did part one last weekend, and I'm doing part two this weekend. Uh, do you need? Do you want a link to the to the study, or you can find the study on our website or our app, our free app, Psalm 23. We're looking at four week series, maybe five weeks. I'm not sure on the shepherd. We're calling it with, and in a time like this, how how important it is that we learn to be with our shepherd, to hear his voice, to not be a hireling but to be fully committed to, to serving Jesus with our lives, uh, not to run away and leave the sheep vulnerable. Uh, it's all in chapter 10. We'll get there as soon as we um, finish Psalm 23. But learning how to be a good sheep and learning how to be good under-shepherds ourselves. And that's not reserved for a title. That's not reserved just for pastors or even assistant pastors or elders or spiritual leaders. John 10 was, is a general teaching for us to hear the shepherd's voice, to stay close to him, and to, uh, to be in a position where our lives are submitted to him. Uh, and that's important. 303-690-3000. All right, let's go to Gabriel in Fort Collins. Gabriel, welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing, Pastor Ed? Hope you're doing well. Good. I am doing yeah. well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing doing quite well. Uh, quite okay. well. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if I could uh, speak a bit of wisdom in the knowledge that 
uh, I guess, on how to be a better listener. Because, I don't know, like, there's this verse in Proverbs, I forgot what um, what verse it was. I'm not, I'm not um, I guess, what the address for it was. Because, um, I don't know, like, I, I just kept mulligan over it, and that's the, uh, be quick to listen, but slow to speak. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, I don't know, like, I always think about that sometimes, and I know that, like, for myself, I, um, I always find myself kind of caught up in my head a lot of the time, you know, and... Sure. I don't know, like, and there definitely seems to be, like, an emphasis in Proverbs, especially on, like, I guess, like, listening and, uh, like, not letting, like, yourself speak too much. And, you know, like, James even talks about how, um, like, how catastrophic, like, the tongue can be. And so, so I was just wondering if, you know, you had any, any advice on that. I do. There's some real practical things that can help us be better listeners. Uh, I was thinking of in James, when James speaks about being slow to speak and quick to hear. One of the one of the first things I think of, as even I, I want to improve my listening skills. As I, a lot of my life is talking to people in person, on the phone. I, f- I actually find this the hardest to practice on the phone because there's always that little delay on cell phones. And I find that in conversations at times we talk over one another. So the first, the first um, piece of advice is to not speak. The first part of listening is not saying anything and letting the other person talk. And while you're at letting the other person talk, of course, another tip is to pay attention to what the person's saying, not to what you think the person's saying, but to actually what they're saying. Because here's the problem that many people have. When you're having a dialogue with someone and the other person is talking, even though you're not saying anything specifically, your mouth isn't moving, in your mind, you're already formulating the answer to the first thing that the person said. And while you're formulating the answer in your mind, to the first thing you heard the person say, they said 10 other things that you didn't hear. While we're not speaking, we need to be present. We need to give our full attention. We need to pay attention and then be ready to respond when the person's finished. You with me so far? Yeah. Yeah, I if, definitely uh, feel like it. Uh, it it's really hard to do, especially when I guess the other person could be uh, talking like emotionally. So it's kind of hard yes. to like, not get emotional with them. And <laughs> I don't know. That's true. But, uh, yeah, that too. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm because I'm, I'm really trying to work on this, and you know, like I'm just I'm, I'm starting to realize just, just how much I mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of do kind of. I guess try to finish the other person's sentence, like in my head. But yeah, with that kind of dialogue, uh, whether it's emotionally charged, the picture yourself as a helper, and as a friend, you are a helper. You know, you could have the, you could be a, a discussion with a stranger. You could be a discussion with a friend. You could be a, a discussion with a girlfriend. It could be a discussion with a spouse. Picture yourself as a helper 
and helpers want to give preference to the other person, not necessarily to themselves first. In these emotionally charged conversations, we also have this tendency to want to jump in and fix the other person. We think that they're wanting us to fix them. Uh, and sometimes we even think they want our opinion, but they actually aren't asking for it. They just want us to listen to them. And they don't want our advice. They don't want us to correct them. They don't want us to change anything. They just want to hear They just want us to hear them out. And I think the more we develop that habit that when they are ready for change or they are ready to have a, a real meaningful dialogue where there's give and take, you just have to you have to be patient. And you and I have to be patient. And I just find the greatest hindrance to good listening is what happens in the head. And then there's that interruption, right? And interrupting and then trying to solve their problems. And that just disrupts their all head. You know, if they were emotional before that, they're going to be really emotional. Uh, if they if they didn't like that, then they just shut down. If they're more, you know, they're more on the other side of that pendulum, then they freak out. And then you find, oh man, I should have never said anything to begin with. Right. But then you feel, well, if I don't say anything, then what kind of friend am I? <laughs> it's like, well, I've never, I, I rarely, although it's, I can't say uh, I have, rarely have I found myself getting in trouble with other people by remaining silent. Now, of course, uh, I'm talking about conversations. Uh, I'm talking about listening to someone. Obviously, when I need to speak up, I need to speak up. But rarely, the Bible says that there's, in the multitude of words, there's sin. But there's, the Bible doesn't say there's a multitude of, of sin. There's, in the multitude of silence, there's sin. And I find that if I'm listening, I'm focused listening, then I'm, all, I'm valuing the person. I'm valuing what they're saying. I'm respecting them. Even if I don't agree with them, that's not the point. Not at least, at least in the early part of the conversation. That's not the point. The point is building trust so that that person would receive from you. So would the same thing apply if, um, I don't know, just in a scenario where, like, the emotion is not necessarily, I guess, like, um, I guess really, I guess, like, really sad or anything, I guess, like, what if it's, like, really angry, or if, like, someone's really angry at you or something like that? Would the same thing apply? It would, except that, you know, obviously if it's, if it's escalating into something that's just out of control the person that's that's in control needs to put a stop to it. But here's a tip. Here's something that's very helpful, and you can learn to do this. And it, it speaks tremendously to the other person, whether they realize it or not, especially in the anger. I'm glad you put the, picked that up. Uh, wait for them to pause and then ask them a clarifying question. And you, okay. it would say, uh, I don't know, it would say, uh, you know, Gabriel, I think you're an idiot, and... And you never there for me, and and I really needed you Friday night, and you know I hate your guts, and you would pause, and, she, and you know he or she would pause, and then you would say, okay, so let me let me just make sure I understood what you said. Something I did Friday night really hurt you, and they go, yeah, of course it hurt me. What did I do exactly? Because I never want to do it again. Instead of. Are you crazy? Do you know everything that I do for you? And you're going to, you think Friday night, look at you, you're flipping all right. Like that's not going to help, right? Yeah. 
But as you clarify to get to the point of what exactly did I do to hurt you or make you angry? And someone in that conversation has to be in, uh, in self-control. Like if you don't have self-control, then these questions, this is a joke. Like this is impossible. If you're flipping out, they're flipping out. It, it ain't going to work. Uh, it, it's, it's in that times where some, where you're able to just, instead of interrupting them, when they're when they finally pause or take a breath and they're done, clarify with them because clarifying questions speak to the person saying that I really want to resolve this. Okay. Yeah, I've actually uh Yeah. I don't know, I guess uh what if uh what if clarifying questions angers them even more? I, I like I know it's a very like niche uh, circumstance, but uh, I guess you know. I, but I'm, I'm thinking that the main point, though, right, is just to like just be a helper and just try to understand, like understand what they're saying, rather than how they're saying it. Correct. That's a great. That's a great takeaway. Remember, be attentive, pay attention, be present. Like, put your phone down. Don't look over their shoulders. Like give them eye contact. These are I know these are these sound super simple, but they mean a lot. Uh, have have body language that's relaxed, that isn't defensive, and you know if you it, the way we're describing this, you know, as we're as I'm picturing, you don't need to be uh, completely. You don't need to share completely what this is, but as I think of this in a you know boyfriend girlfriend scenario like if all your conversations just flipped out angry it may be time for you to find another person if it's a roommate thing and all your conversations are just flipped out it might be time to find another roommate uh, it's probably not this for you gabriel but if you're a marriage and this sounds like your marriage it's time to get some help because you need to learn how to communicate you need to learn how to argue without destroying one another Again, as I was sharing earlier, one of the one of the things that our culture has diminished and almost disappeared is the ability to disagree without destroying a person. Of course, we're not going to agree on everything. Of course, we're not going to agree on everything, but that doesn't give me permission to destroy you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Um, I don't want to take, take, take up too much of your time. Uh, That's I, a great so, question. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, uh, something I've been trying to work at and, you know, like, I, I guess, I guess what it all comes down to is just like, I guess, uh, self-control where it's just, you know, not trying to let your emotions muddle up what you're trying to say and what you're trying to like listen to, I guess. And understand your own indicators, right? If you become defensive, then it's over. If you become angry, then it's over. And you, you're right. The fruit of the Spirit, like you, and, and we've got all these practical things because I, I like to be real practical. The spiritual side of this is to pray and ask God to make you a better listener. Spiritually, he'll do that. He'll give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And that self-control isn't just you biting your tongue. Like it is a supernatural gift of God to, to deal with a person that's emotionally charged because you love them and you care for them and you want to express that love and care. 
uh, when I when I speak about you know it might be time to find another roommate, another girlfriend. That that's way down the at the end, very patiently. That's a that's the last decision. But you have to have you have to be able to have that on the table still because it made these arguments or these lacks of communication. And here's the thing, Gabriel, for anyone listening, the problem may not be you. But because you're the more sensitive type or the the person that is like, I want to improve, I want to improve, I want to improve. I mean, you could be you could probably take all 10 of the things we talked about today and still have the same jacked up conversation and you're like man what is my problem it may not be your problem yeah i guess it's just a matter of discernment uh i guess in that case yeah yep all right cool yeah thank you thank you so much you're welcome gabriel god bless you bro bye-bye 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 David and Greeley, welcome to the program. Yes. So, a few years ago, I was in a Bible study, and I mentioned something about Paul getting knocked off his high horse on the road to Damascus. Yes. And I I heard you allude to that yesterday, and I'm going, well, that's interesting. So, my pastor challenged me to find that. Where is that? Yes. Being the Berean that I am, I looked and I looked and I looked. Looked in Acts nine and I looked in Second Corinthians twelve, and it's not there. So I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm just trying to say, no, no. people, it's not there. So we we just assume it's there. I assumed it was there, but it's not there. Definitely. Yesterday I alluded to to um, Paul or Saul of Tarsus being knocked off his animal. Uh, you know, some people say donkey, some people say horse. There's no mention there. Uh, we're making an assumption he was riding an animal, for sure, because he's on his on a very long journey, and that's how they journeyed. You know, he was on his journey to Damascus, and the falling down piece is in verse 4 of Acts 9. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me. It, it says, that actually, the whole context is, as he was journeying, he came near Damascus, and suddenly um, the uh, light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and a voice was saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting him? So I'd agree with your pastor that the Bible does not say he fell off his high horse anywhere, but the assumption that he was on an animal is is a good animal, and, excuse me, is a good assumption, although... We don't know for sure. We know that he was on his way to Damascus with a group of people, and he fell to the ground in verse 4. And they took him in, and they continued to journey into the city with him blind. I don't have a problem with that. It was my problem to begin with. Because I heard <laughs> other people say that uh, the high horse or whatever would still sure. ride. But I, I remember... Is, there's no critter involved. I didn't... I didn't see any part where there was a mule or a donkey or whatever. Yeah, there's no there's no mention of a horse or a donkey. That there is a an assumption that there's an animal that he's riding, because that's an extremely long journey. However, they certainly could um, 
They certainly could have uh, walked. But we do, do know he fell to the ground. We do know that. Problem with that. So my question was just that we assume, well, Paul was on this horse, and because the Scripture says that, but it doesn't say that. So You're right, it doesn't say that. That's all my point is. And I There's quite a few things. Day. Yes. There's quite a few things that, that we uh, have read into the text that isn't there, and, and we need to be careful that when, when, we are, when we are using the Bible, that we use it carefully. Yes. So that, that's all I wanted to say. Just throw it out there, and thank you for what, what all your, uh, you and your other pastors do for the front range here and all over the United States. So. Hey, I thanks for calling. I think that you made you had this was lesson number one. I'm trying to think as you were talking. I was trying to think back to what it was, but I remember in our inductive Bible study course back in 1992, I think is when I took it. The teacher had us describe a text, and as we began to describe the text, he would say, "But where did you get that?" And and what we were, he was trying to show us how many assumptions we brought in, and I can't remember what part of the. Um, I can't remember what part of the Bible we were looking at, but I remember being stunned uh, at how I, how easily it was to read into to text and read into the text. That's that's just what I want to say to all us Bible uh, students out there. We we just got to see what it says first before we throw it out there. Yeah, the order is observation, then interpretation, and then application. And unfortunately, most Bible teachers start with application first instead of just reading the text. That's why on these Bible questions, too, I as people have these, these different perspectives of the Scripture, I always ask them, what passage are you referring to? Because we need to see what it says first before I answer what you think it says. So that's a great answer. I'm glad you did. Thank you. And then a lot of people, they don't know where it's about somewhere in the Bible. Well, that's the idea, you know. Yeah, sometimes I can find it for them, you know, a scripture that they've taken out in their mind. Uh, But if they can't give me a text, then it's hard for me to answer their questions. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Looks like we're going to move on to Grass Valley, California. David... Uh, is on the air. David, welcome to the program. Yes. <clears throat> Hello, Pastor Ed. This is David. Um, the last time I spoke with you was about four years ago when my son passed away. Oh, um, sorry. I used to go to Calvary Chapel Aurora when I was, you know, dealing with the liver transplant issues I back remember. years ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, what I was calling about is more prayer, because, uh, okay. you know, my wife and me have been involved with Sierra Leone for the, for the last 10 years or so. In this coronavirus situation here, at least we can meet um, in fellowship online. But in Sierra Leone, they're also going through that, um, um, the same rulings you know, we're dealing with, but they don't have the means to really meet online. Our communication is much harder. They, um, they can't be in groups of people as well. So I'm just just praying for the ministry in Sierra Leone 
and also that this coronavirus thing will open the doors up so we can bring some of them out here or us going back there in the near future. We try to go there every year or two. So, so just prayer for the ministry in Sierra Leone. Let's do that. We'll close out the show with that. Father, I pray for the ministry in Sierra Leone and the, the, the needs that you know uh, that are there, that uh, this whole pandemic has been challenging and the situations have been challenging. I pray, God, that there would be a, a preservation of the work there, that not only would it be preserved, but it would be multiplied, that the, the work would, would continue unhindered and that even in the challenges, the challenges would reveal would reveal uh, tremendous new open doors and new ways of doing ministry and new ways of of being able to serve and reach out and evangelize and disciple. And I thank you, God, even as I think of David, the miraculous work that you've done in his life, uh, the the mir- miraculous uh, transformation of his body with the transplant. And we are grateful, God, for your sustaining power and your sustaining work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you, David. Good to hear from you. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, and David, I just want to let you know, I looked up a commentary real quick. Um, The other David from Greeley, uh, and and one commentator says that he was walking. And it doesn't, Acts 9 doesn't say that either. Uh, So great insight. You're going to make me think about a few things tonight. Hey, tune in tomorrow night or Friday night for the men's conference. More information is available on the men's page at our church website, calvaryco.church, and also at rmcalvary.org. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.